So, the invisible blessing upon which every other blessing depends. Apologies for the sermon title. Um, I, I couldn't think of a better one. <laughs> so, um, if you don't mind, I'm going to pray just one more time really quickly. Father, thank you so much for your many blessings. And Lord, I ask that you would please send your Holy Spirit upon this room and especially upon me, Lord. Um, may, I, may I share the things that you have for us to hear. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So first, let's start by playing a little game. What caused this? No? Nope. It is a field. It's a cornfield. That should help you. No. <laughs> One giant massive bullet. No. Um, I'll, I'll give you... A couple of hints. It's Plain State, Cornfield. There's a pat. Yes. <laughs> good, good job. Tornado. A tornado caused this, this swath of destruction. Same thing on this line. Can you see the path of destruction this tornado left? It's a little bit more destruction than the cornfield here. Fortunately, there's nobody around here in the cornfield, but it looks like this ran through a couple subdivisions and dealt some pretty serious damage. The home's off on the side, pretty much untouched, just shoo, right where the path. right the path where it touched down. Okay. Um, Twice a day. This is a place that's called Hopewell Rocks. Is it an ocean? Yeah, that's the ocean out there. You see where the water is? Yes, it went way back, right? right. Uh-huh. You see where the water is now? Yeah. Oh, it's getting up higher. Yeah. Guess how high this tide is? 45.6 feet. 45, is that high tide? High yeah. Tide? So that was, that, was a, that was a tide. So what causes the tide? What causes the tide? The moon. The sun. Excellent. Gravity. There we go. All, we've got the answers. Moon, sun, and gravity. So maybe you remember back in science class, um, when you have two bodies with large masses, and in fact, if you have any two objects with a mass, they will be attracted to each other equally, right? So the Earth is attracted to the moon, the moon is attracted to the Earth, right? And that's what keeps the moon in orbit around the Earth. But the moon is attracted to more than just the ground and the dirt. There's more mass on this planet. In fact, this planet is covered 
two-thirds of it is covered with water. water. And so the water can move even when the rocks and the stones and the ground can't. They're constrained uh, by everything around it. So the, you don't see the soil shifting up and down several feet every day. But you do see the water making a shift um, because it can flow, because it's liquid. So um, a spring tide is when you have the highest possible tide. And that's when the sun is aligned in the same direction from the Earth as the moon. Mm -hmm. So when they're lined up with each other, then you get, um, then you have a new moon and you have a, a very big pole because you have both objects' gravity acting together to cause the largest possible tide. It's called a spring tide. Um, and this happens both in new moon and full moon when the orbits are in, in alignment. This, the orbit isn't always in alignment. Um, and a neap tide is where it is first quarter and third quarter moon when the orbits are also in a line, but where the tide from the sun, which is further away, and so its force is weaker, so the tide from the sun and the tide from the moon cancel each other out. And so when they kind of cancel each other out, then you have the lowest possible tide. And it's called a neap tide. So what's this? That's the ocean. An ocean wave. Yes, it looks like a stormy ocean wave. There is another wave. Yes, I believe so. Pipeline? Okay. Any, any of you know how to surf? No. You do? Very nice. Where'd you learn how to surf? Oh, well, my husband's Hawaiian, so. Okay. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. You surf the pipeline? Uh, I'm sure no. Yeah. Um, I don't know how to surf. At some point, I'd love to learn, but uh, I've never, I grew up in Michigan, and we just don't get waves large enough to really practically surf. There is a surf shop in a couple of the towns along Lake Michigan, because occasionally storms will come along and they'll whip up waves that are four, six, ten feet tall, and then you can surf those, but uh, you have to kind of wait for the storms and it's not an ocean wave. <laughs> um, so ocean waves, what causes ocean waves? That might play a tiny bit into it. Winds, storms. Any other ideas? Earthquakes? That makes some noise. Indeed. That's with tides. Mm -hmm. Moon tides. Currents? That, that definitely plays a part in it. Um, the biggest factor in surface waves, though, is wind. 
<laughs> so wind plays the biggest role. And what happens is you have the wind caused by the heating of the air from the sun, and you get currents of air. And the currents of air create wind. And the wind, when it blows along the surface of the water, it starts by creating the tiniest of little ripples. Okay? Just because where the interface is between air and water, um, when the air moves, it has a little bit of friction along the water. And it, it, causes, it just kind of pushes the water a tiny bit and causes a tiny ripple and imparts a tiny little bit of energy to the water. And then the, wind, the next bit of wind comes along and it imparts a tiny bit more little energy to the water. And the next wind comes along and imparts a tiny little bit more energy to the water. And all of the wind collectively comes along and it imparts a lot of energy to the water. It pushes the water up and down. And then once it pushes the water up and down enough, then you start having a little bit of a crest and a trough and a crest and a trough. And as the, as the wind moves across it, then it starts to, to actually experience turbulence thanks to the bumps and the dips. And so um, the turbulence causes it to impart even more energy to the water. And the, the water itself doesn't actually move. Did you know that? When you see a wave moving, the water particle itself is moving in a circle. So that one little droplet of water, it moves up and down, up and down. Have you seen an ocean buoy, how it moves up and down? But it doesn't actually travel with the wave. That's because the ocean buoy stays with the water. Mm -hmm. And so unless the wind, unless it has a large something above the water that the wind can blow, it's not actually going to move with the wind. It's just going to move with the water up and down. So it moves up and down. So you think of waves not as water moving, but as energy moving through the water. Does that make sense? So the wind imparts the energy, and then the energy moves through the water. And it's quite a bit of energy sometimes. And then you see waves crest like this when they get close to shore, because the, the depth <laughs> of how much, the ener uh, how much the wave is, is half the distance of the wave. So if you take the distance between the waves, like here, the distance is called a wavelength. <laughs> it's pretty, it, it makes sense, right? It's the length between waves, you know? Um, and if you take half of that distance between waves, and you take the surface of the water, and you draw a line and you measure halfway down. When the ground is at that point, then it starts interfering with the wave. And the wave can no longer move freely up and down. It starts hitting the ground. And so as the water gets shallower, you, the wave looks taller, even though it's the same amount of energy. It looks taller, and then it restricts the motion of the particles of water, and so the water actually moves. So right at, the, right at the edge of the ocean, the water is moving and hitting the shore and flowing back and hitting the shore and flowing back. But it's because the sand's interfering with the wave. It's not because the wave is causing the water to move so much. So that is how a wave works. It's energy traveling through the water. And the farther it can build up energy, you know, out in the wide open ocean with lots of wind or big storms, 
the larger the waves, the more energy has been imparted by the wind. What's this? Do you see the writing on the side? This should, this should give you a hint as to where it is. Yup, Miyako. This is, this is a picture of the tsunami in, one, in Miyako, or at the street Miyako <laughs> in Japan. So it's a massive wave, and you can see how it's just taking everything in its path and it's sweeping it away. Waves are really, really powerful. A study was done in 2018. It used to be thought that only tsunamis moved big boulders up a beach. Have you ever seen where you've got like a big boulder and it's way up a beach? Yeah. You're like, how did it get there, <laughs> right? The, the waves are way down there. Um, they did a study in 2018 in Iceland, and they showed that um, they tracked over 1,000 boulders along the, along the ocean by the sea. And they tracked how, how far those 1,000 boulders moved. So they found that 100-ton boulders moved in the course of one year with ocean waves from storms, not actually from tsunamis. In fact, they tracked one boulder that weighed 620 tons. So this was a massive rock. And it moved a total of eight feet up the shore in one year. Eight feet, just from storm waves. Water is powerful. My, my dad is a, a civil engineer, and his emphasis is water resources. So he, he would always tell me about the power of water, because he works with dams. And when a dam fails, it releases tons of water, and that water can do some serious damage. Or if you have a spillway, and you, at the bottom of the spillway, the water kind of like churns, and it's all white water. And he would tell me about how I should always never, never get in the water there and always avoid that area just because you, know, you lose your buoyancy because there's so much air mixed with the water. And then the weight of the water that's coming, crashing it down is enough to kill you. And you may never come up again. <laughs> like that's, that's, you got to avoid the bottoms of spillways, the bottoms of waterfalls. You have to, you have to be careful around those types of things. Um, so anyways, water, it's powerful. And tsunamis um, come from, can come from earthquakes underneath the water. And then the earthquake causes waves. But these are massive waves because there was a ton of energy imparted. It's like a, uh, some earthquakes are you know, equivalent to several nuclear bombs going off, essentially. So it's like a nuclear bomb underneath the water that imparts tons of energy. And it creates these massive waves. And you can get it from tectonic plate shifting. Um, you can get it from underwater volcanoes, subduction. That's, that's the, where one plate goes under another plate. Um, sometimes you can have an underwater landslide. You know, like someday there's, there's a shelf off our coast here in California called the, um, uh, what's it called? Pacific Ocean Shelf? Maybe. I think. <laughs> um, and, and someday, if earthquake were to ever dislodge it, you'd wind up with a massive landslide that would create the worst tsunami ever in history. Um, weather can occasionally work towards it, but mostly uh, meteors, that can do it too. But most of the time, tsunamis are connected with earthquakes. 
wind. Yeah. It's causing the flags to blow and the tree to move. And this leads us right into our first text in our Bible study today. Turn with me to the book of John. You got it. John. Chapter 3. John chapter 3. And do you remember what's happening here? Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the middle of the night because he wants to learn more. Right? The Holy Spirit's working on his heart, drawing him to know more about Jesus. And so he comes and he seeks an interview with Jesus at night because he doesn't want anyone to know that he's talking with this, this controversial teacher. And Jesus tells him that he needs to be born again. And he's like, how, how, how does that work? And Jesus said, um, don't be surprised that when I say that you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear it sound but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is what? Born of the Spirit. Next, I'd like to read a quotation from a great book called Acts of the Apostles. Amen. And this book cover, talks about the, the life and the journeys of the apostles as they shared shared the gospel with others. And this is some commentary from chapter 5 on the promise that was given to them of the Holy Spirit. The lapse of time has wrought no change in Christ's parting promise to send the Holy Spirit as his representative. It is not because of any restriction on the part of God that the riches of his grace do not flow earthward to men. If the fulfillment of the promise is not seen as it might be, it is because the promise is not appreciated as it should be. If all were willing, all would be filled with the Spirit. Wherever the need of the Holy Spirit is a matter little thought of, there is seen spiritual drought, spiritual darkness, spiritual declension, and death. Whenever minor matters occupy the attention, the divine power which is necessary for the growth and prosperity of the church, and which would bring all other blessings in its train, is lacking, though offered in infinite plenitude. Plenitude. Think about that. The blessing that would bring all other blessings in its train. If you were to have one magic bullet, <laughs> to fix all the problems that we experience and encounter and have within our church, within our lives. Do you think this might be it? The Holy Spirit, right? If all the blessings we seek for, you know, unity, growth and grace, transformation of character, um, 
being more, just being more like Jesus, having more love, more compassion, being of more service. If all of these things were just blessings that would come in, you know, on the tail of having the Holy Spirit, seems like this, this would be pretty important, would it not? And that is the premise upon which I want to work with today. Back to John 3. Turn with me to John chapter 3. No, actually, that's that's a Mac background, and it is, you know, like the color powders they use in color races and um, things like that. It's a whole bunch of color powder that has been probably exploded with a tiny, I don't know, tiny explosive or something on a black background in a studio. Mm-hmm. So it's an explosion of color powder and. In a studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, actually. Yeah. <laughs> That's the end of the slideshow. From here on out, it's just a short Bible study. So, in John chapter 3, the wind blows where it lists, where it wants, and you hear the sound thereof but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. That's verse 8. Verse 8. Yep. Nicodemus answers, how can these things be? And Jesus is like, are you a teacher in Israel, and yet you don't understand these things? Verily, of a truth, I say to thee, we speak what we do not know and testify, no, we speak what we know and we testify to what we have seen. And ye don't, and you don't receive our witness. If I have told you of earthly things and you believed me not, how shall you believe when I tell you of heavenly things? No man hath ascended to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And here he starts talking about his coming death, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil.
this, this, this idea then is found throughout the entire book of John. There's a really strong connection between the coming of Jesus, the word that was in the beginning and was flesh, light, he was the light, in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. You know, John 1 verse 5. And, the, and then a man was sent to bear witness of that light. He was not the light, but he was sent to bear witness of it, and that is John, the messenger. And as many as received Jesus, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. To as many who were, to as many as received him, gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Verse 13, what does it say? Verse 13 of chapter 3. 1. John chapter 1, verse 13. Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Does that remind you of the conversation that Nicodemus and Jesus just had? <laughs> being born again, being born of the Spirit? They're very, very closely connected. Receiving Jesus is followed by being born again, which includes regeneration by the Holy Spirit. Regeneration of the Holy Spirit brings all other blessings in its train, right? Mm -hmm. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And this leads us right back to Isaiah 60, where the scripture reading for today was found. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen where? Upon thee. Now, Isaiah 60, verses 1 and 2, rides right on the heels of Isaiah 57, 58, and 59. So it's hard, you can't take Isaiah 60, verses 1 and 2 entirely out of their context. And the context is, briefly, Israel's idolatry and departure from God, 57. 58, a day of atonement scene where they were to cry aloud, to fast, to, to lifting up the trumpet beforehand, the, the Feast of Trumpets, which came right before Day of Atonement. So you, you have a real, every Jew knew this is Day of Atonement that he's talking about in Isaiah 58. It was the day where they were supposed to consecrate themselves wholly to God, and it was the day when, this, when the sins of the people were cleansed from the sanctuary. Yet, something's going wrong on this Day of Atonement. It's not, it's not working the way it's supposed to. Because, because God says, Behold, you're, you're fasting for strife and for debate and to smite with the fist of wickedness. You should not fast like you're doing. You guys are having petty strife on a Day of Atonement. You guys are, you're at each other doing wickedness. 
hurting others instead of lifting them up. You're ignoring all of the principles of the law of love on the day when you're supposed to be repenting and turning back to it, that same law of love. And he's like, this isn't, this isn't what the Day of Atonement's about. The fast that I've chosen, the Day of Atonement that I want you guys to be focused on, is one where you're loosing the bands of wickedness and undoing the heavy burdens, where you let the oppressed go free and you undo and you break every yoke to deal your bread to the hungry and bring the poor that are cast out to thy house. Then shall, 8, verse 8, 58, verse 8. 58. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. And it goes on, and then it talks about keeping the Sabbath. And then in 59, it says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. There is a Redeemer in Israel. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. That's, that's why the Day of Atonement was there. That's, that was the purpose of it. It was, it was to bring them back into unity, at one with God. For your hands are defiled by blood, etc., etc., and it goes on. And then it says, the Lord will rise in judgment. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and an helmet of salvation upon his head. Do you think Paul just came up with the armor arbitrarily without, without, you know, from the top of his head? No. The armor that he talks about, Paul talks about, the armor of God, it, it's, it's linked directly to these Old Testament principles. In fact, these two things are quoted verbatim in, in Paul's armor. And according to their deeds, he will repay. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion. And unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord, as for me, this is the covenant with them, says the Lord, my spirit that is upon thee, and my words which I have put in my mouth shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed's seed, says the Lord, from henceforth and forever. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Lift thine eyes round about, and see all they that gather themselves together. This, this picture in Isaiah 60, verse 1, it's a picture of what happens when the people of God turn to him with their whole heart, accept the offer he's given them to be born again, just like he offered Nicodemus. And, it, and then plead, pray, seek, 
with all their heart for the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. Because what happens when the Holy Spirit comes and regenerates his people is marvelous. It's marvelous. I want this. I want this in our church. I want this in my family. I want this in my business. I want this in our community. I want the light of the glory of God, his goodness, his mercy, his grace, his love, his justice to be seen. That's your prayer. If it's your desire to seek after the Holy Spirit, with everything in your being, then join me as we close with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your many blessings, Lord. We don't know how your spirit works in our lives all the time. We, we can't see where it comes from or where it goes. We can only see its effects. And that's what others see too, Lord. And so, Father, we pray that you would convert us again. Help us to be reborn accept your son's sacrifice on our behalf again. Lord, then fill us with the Holy Spirit. Help us to daily seek you, to turn from our wicked ways, Lord. Give us repentance. Give us your mercy, your grace, and Lord, we pray for your Holy Spirit. Father, we need it. We need you we need your Holy Spirit more than ever before. And Father, we just ask that you'd fulfill your promises now. In Jesus' name, amen.